Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. And, and what we're doing in this particular series is wrestling with some of those strange stories in the Bible to see how they actually have the ability to transform us while at the same time qua- causing us to squirm in our seats. So again, I ask you all, how many of you are ready to get uncomfortable today? Anybody? It's not a giggle, it's a yes. So this week, um, we turn our attention to that one time when God called Abraham to kill his son. Now, what you need to know about this story is that Abraham was about 25, or excuse me, 75 years old when God called him to move to Canaan, which means his wife, Sarah, who's about 10 years younger, is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 65. And why that matters is because a part of God's promise to Abraham was not only just to give him this land, this promised land but he was also going to give him a lot of descendants. And of course, to have a lot of descendants, you have to have at least one child. And the way biology works is the older you get, the less likely you are to have children. So if God was going to bless them with a child, the logic tells us that it needs to happen sooner rather than later. And yet, as most of you know, that's not how this story plays itself out, right? No, instead, we find Abraham and Sarah just getting older and older. Five years pass. 10 years pass, 15 years, 20 years, and still they remain childless. And because of this, of course, Abraham and Sarah, they begin to doubt. Or even though on multiple occasions, God tries to reassure them that they're going to have a child, Abraham and Sarah finally get to the point where they take matters into their own hands by having a son through one of Sarah's slaves. Right? Which, of course, whenever you take matters into your own hands, what happens? It, it all goes crazy. And then when God does finally show up and tell Abraham at the age of 99 that he's finally going to have this promise son, that he's, come, he's coming through on his promise, Abraham and Sarah's response to this is to laugh. That's right, because Abraham is 99 and Sarah's about 90. When God tells them this miracle is about to happen, all they can do is laugh. And you have to admit, it's pretty funny to think about a 99-year-old and a 90-year-old having a child, right? Unless it happens to you and then you just start to cry, (laughs) right? So in fact, they think this is so funny that after this promised child is born, they name him Isaac. And Isaac is the Hebrew equivalent of R-O-F-L, rolling on the floor, laughing. Both of them actually do that. Now, what you need to know about the importance of this child is that everything God promised to Abraham, along with everything that God is planning to do to bring about the salvation and the restoration of the world, is riding on this child. Because from this one child, eventually God is going to create the nation of Israel. And through the nation of Israel, God is going to be showing himself to the world, which means if something ever happened to this child, God's plans fall apart. So with all of that, you would expect that God would be doing everything in his power to keep this boy safe, to make sure that his plan succeeds. 
And yet, in the midst of this incredible story, right after this miracle happens, this child comes into the world, we find this. And after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. Did you hear what I said? Take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, your first response to this should be, what, what did you just say? What? Did God just command a child sacrifice? Did, did God, after bringing about this important child in this miraculous way, did he just tell Abraham to kill this boy? And then in response to that request, given that Abraham up to this point has spent a whole lot of time questioning and even arguing with God, you would think that Abraham would plead with God for his son's life, especially given all that is riding on the life of this boy for his family. And yet, what we find Abraham doing when God makes this command is without hesitation or reservation. He just does what God tells him to do. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. Or after God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, notice, without telling his wife. Have you ever noticed that? You want to know another fun fact? Abraham and Sarah never talk after this event. If you read the text closely, they never speak Again, So not only does he not tell Sarah what's going on, but he doesn't even tell Isaac what's going on. They just pack up their stuff and head for the hills. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship. Then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Now, have you ever noticed or you ever wondered why he left the two there and then just he and Isaac went up the mountain? Maybe that's because uh, they would have tried to interfere if they knew what he was doing. But with fire in one hand, a knife in the other, he loaded up his son with the wood and they make their way up the mountain. And as they're making their, their way up this long, difficult hike, at some point, we find Isaac turning to his father and asking a very simple question, which for us, knowing what we know, is one of the most haunting questions that you will find being asked in the Old Testament. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, he said, here am my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Doesn't that give you chills to think about that? Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? But without skipping a beat or letting the cat out of the bag, Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for our burnt offering, son. And the two of them walked on together. And we need to be honest at this point, right? If Abraham would have told his son what's really going on, Isaac would have put up a serious fight to get away from his crazy father. Who is about to sacrifice him? Do you guys get how crazy this story is? I know we've read it thousands and thousands of times, but it doesn't make it any less strange. And then again, notice 
Throughout this entire story, Abraham never wavers. There's no notion that he is questioning or arguing that that he's not going to do it. No, according to Genesis, Abraham is all in. God told him to do it, and he's going to do it. And then finally, when they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar on top of the wood. He bound his son and laid him on the altar. Now, can you even imagine what Isaac is thinking at this point? It's like one moment he's on this fun father and son outing doing some male bonding with his dad. And who doesn't love that, right? Then the next thing he knows, he's tied up and put on a stack of wood as his father does this. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to kill his son. Do you feel the tension, the fear, the sadness that is happening as Abraham raises his arm? I mean, just think about what must be going on in Abraham's brain as he's about to do this act. He's about to kill this boy he's waited on for 25 years that he loves more than anything else on the planet. And yet, as we are sitting on the edge of our seats, peering through our fingers, trying to see if Abraham is really going to do this, finally... This happens. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And not only that, but in the end, we find that God does go on to provide. And Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught in a thicket by its thorn. Abraham went up and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. I told you I was going to make you uncomfortable today. So the, the question becomes now, right? What do we do with this story? How do we make sense of a story where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his child? Well, one of the most common interpretations I have heard is that because of Abraham's doubts, because of everything that Abraham questioned up to this point, God decides to test and see what kind of faith Abraham really has. And the best way to do that is to take the thing that is most important to Abraham, this miracle boy that he's been waiting on for 25 years, and have Abraham kill or at least be willing to kill this child. And all because if Abraham is willing to do that, then God can know for sure that Abraham truly is a man of great faith. So that's the most common interpretation that I have heard in in regards to what's going on here. It might just be exactly what this story is all about. But, but, the problem with this particular interpretation is it leads to some strange places logically and theologically that not many of us are going to be very comfortable with. Like, do we really serve the kind of God that requires us to be willing to sacrifice our children to prove we are faithful? Or if God ever shows up in our life and and tells us to do something as crazy as this, are we just supposed to accept it? No questions asked because it's from God? And then I think the most interesting question that this story raises for me theologically is if God knows all things, then why did God have to test Abraham in this way? Couldn't God have just looked into Abraham's heart to see how faithfully he was in turn avoiding all of this? 
another popular interpretation I've run across is that if you put this story within its time and place, what God is actually doing here is declaring that child sacrifice is wrong. And the reason why God makes a statement in this way is because throughout the Old Testament period, we find all sorts of evidence regarding people actually offering up their firstborn children to the God. So what God is ultimately doing here in this story is proclaiming to all of the ancient Jewish people once and for all that he is not the kind of God who requires child sacrifice. And then another famous interpretation that I have come across is that this story is just a precursor to Jesus' death. It's a story that, that points towards and helps us to understand why Jesus died on the cross. And that in the same way Abraham showed his faithfulness to God by being willing to offer up what's most important to him, in turn, God showed his faithfulness and his devotion to us by actually offering up his son, proving just how much he loves and cares for us. I like that one. But, it still begs the question, right? Which interpretation is right? Which one nails it down? Who got it all? Or is it a mixture of a couple of these? Well, truth be told, uh, if I'm completely honest with all of you guys, after years and years of wrestling with this story, trying to nail it all down, I really don't know how to make sense of this story. I really don't. And that everywhere I turn, every interpretation that I read, all of my wrestlings, I have found things that I really, really like and agree with, right? Amazing things that we should be doing. But at the same time, while seeing that, there's also something there that leaves me scratching my head and wondering what's going on or causing me to squirm or causing my stomach to hurt. So the truth is, I really don't know. Wish I did. But. Even though all of that's true, or even though I can't tell you what this story means with any kind of certainty, what this story has done to me, the way God has used this story in my life, is he's used it in a roundabout kind of way to teach me something that I think is even bigger and more important for us to know as Christians. And that is how it's, it's okay to not know. It's okay not to have it all nailed down. It's, it's okay not to have it all figured out. And the reason it's okay is because when we try to make sense of a God who by definition is too big to know what we should expect a whole lot of is to run into things in Scripture and in life that we just don't get. Or in other words, not only is it okay not to have it all figured out, it's actually the way things work, whether you like it or not. Yeah, no, booing. I know you guys like to boo. For me, this really is one of the most profound things that you can learn as a Christian. It's okay not to have it all figured out. And then to push this into what I consider to be uh, the profound, to take this to a whole other level. What this story, along with a whole lot of other stories and things in life, continue to teach me on a daily basis is that God is mystery. God is mystery. And mystery here is not something that you can't know at all. Mystery is this endless knowability. Or mystery is not just something that is out there completely hidden from us that we can't see or taste or touch at all. No, we get parts of mystery. We catch glimpses of mystery. But 
Mystery is still something that is so big and so complex that even when we spend our entire lives trying to figure it out, trying to nail it all down, we never get to the end. We never get to the bottom. Come on now. Which for me then puts into perspective one of the most profound and important things you can learn as a Christian, which this story along with a whole lot of others has to teach us, is that faith is not nor has it ever been about nailing it all down, getting it all figured out. No, faith is a journey. Do I need to repeat that? You're supposed to cheer at that point because it's so profound. (laughs) Faith is not, nor has it ever been, about getting everything figured, figured out and nailing it all down. No, faith is a journey. Faith is this lifelong pilgrimage where we give ourselves completely and totally to going deeper and deeper into our infinite God who has no edges or bottoms. And when we do that, when we do that, that's when God shows up. Or what I want you to get is there's this notion in Christianity today that if you will just do these five steps and get to this point, then God is going to show up. Or if you just do this or get this figured out, then God is going to show up. What I want you to see is that God is with us the whole way. If you will have eyes to see. How many of you feel a little better about your lives at this point? Anybody? You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out, and life is a journey. So, what I hope for all of you, when you encounter another one of these texts, and they're all over the Bible, but more importantly, when you face something in your own life that you just can't make sense of, may you come to see that that's normal. May you come to see that that we're never going to have this all figured out. But it doesn't matter if we have it all figured out or not. We have a God who's got it figured out, who walks with us every step of the way. And that, my friends, is more than enough. Let us pray. Father, this is a tough one. Child sacrifice. We kind of put ourselves in that story and we just cringe thinking about what's going on here But at the same time, we marvel at the faithfulness that Abraham has at this point in the story. We're we're grateful for your intervention and that you are a God who provides. But even with all of that, Lord, we're still left wrestling with the meaning, with the purpose. And yet even in that, you teach us that you're a mystery. You you teach us that, that even if we spend our entire lives chasing after you with everything that we are, you're still going to be a mystery which means we don't have to have it figured out or nailed down for you to show up in our lives. No, all we got to do is walk. All we got to do is give ourselves to this journey because you are there with us every step of the way. And that is enough. That's actually what we all long for. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.